I am super excited to introduce our speaker for the first part of this morning. It is Sam Cummings, if you would make your way up. Sam has been with us for a while. She's in my senior life calling class here at Horizon. She's a senior uh, here at the school and has been involved in a lot of different things, but I'll leave more to her. Hi. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, because Wilson forgot that. Uh, <laughs> like you said, my name's Samantha. I am not a public speaking person, so if I stutter, bear with me. I'll probably say I'm a lot. I've said it like four times already. That's my bad. Yeah, so like you said, I'm a senior here. I've been here. I've been a part of youth group for six years. I actually started with Brett back there. My original youth pastor was actually Scott Elman when he did middle school, and then I moved up to Brett, and then he got married or something, and then Wilson came in, <laughs> and yeah, so I've been here a while. So Wilson walked up to me about two Wednesdays ago and was like, so about Youth Sunday? I was like, what? He's like, so we've never had a girl speak. <laughs> and so I gave him the generic, like, yeah, I'll pray about it, and then I actually did, and then I came back, and here I am, so... If you want to open your Bibles to John 15 is where I'm starting today. I was going to talk about the necessity of community, and then I started reading what I wanted to talk about. And I think it's more important to talk about, like, the necessity of, like, knowing who you belong to or, like, knowing to what you belong. So I'm just going to start by reading 15 verses 1 through 8 of John. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he, pr he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing." If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire as they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you may bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So in verse, I lost it, in verse 5, it says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And so that's just like, you have to think about, like, where you come from. We all, like, have things that we cling to at the end of the day. Like, if you have a really bad day, you have either that show you go watch or that person you go talk to or that game you go play, your sport, whatever it is. But you have to know, like, those things will fail you every time. And so you have to know that vine that you have is something strong that won't die, that won't wither, that you can always have to, like, go back into and in verse 5, it says, I am the vine. God is the vine. We need that vine to, like, hold on to. Because it's really easy to get, like, caught up with people and the world and be swept to, like, where we think we belong or where we think we should be. But in reality, nine times out of ten, it's not. If it's where you think you should be and not where God is telling you should be, you're probably not where you should be. Um... If you want to flip to Romans 11, it says, And some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them became partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. And that's just like, no matter where you come from in life, you can always be grafted like into that olive tree, per se, of God. No matter what you do, no matter where you come from, he's not going to be like, 
I saw you eat that cookie when you weren't supposed to, so, like, he's not going to do that, right? You can always be just, like, drafted into that. And so something we have to see is, like, what tree, per se, do you want yourself to become a part of? Because where you are in life and what you want in life, it will show that, and it'll, like, majorly impact the direction of your life. And so, like... You have to think about something Wilson talked about. I'm actually like basing this off of a message that he did back in August, and it was really good, so go, Wilson. And you have to think about like the throne of your heart, per se, is something he talked about. It's like what you put as the highest thing in your mind like that you know that you will go back to at the end of the day. And that needs to be like God, like I said. Like you don't want the throne of your heart being a relationship or a sport or a hobby because those things eventually you graduate high school your relationships move on your sports end like and what do you do at the end of that day and what's on the throne of your heart is like what do you think about most in a day like if you were as excited to go to church to read your bible as you were to like go to that game or that practice or see that person like how different would your life be stop looking at me like that And David was a really good example of this. In Psalm 27, 4 and 5, he says, One thing that I have desired of the Lord is that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me. He shall set me upon a high rock. What did David want? He said one thing that I have desired that I will seek, is that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. What more should we want than that? We have to think about, like, being, as people, like, we want, we, like, yearn to have, like, community and feel like we belong. Like, how many people in here like feeling left out or ignored or skimmed over? Like, not very many, right? So... Like, having that place that you know that you belong is really important. And, like, in verse 4, where do we belong? The house of the Lord. God says that he goes to prepare that place for us. And it's the one place that we will always, no matter what, no matter what friend group you get kicked out of, what people ignore you, like, it's the one place that you will always truly belong. And so, back to John 15. Sorry. I had note cards in here, and then I took them out because I started talking, and now it's not helpful. That's 14. 15 is after 14, in case you didn't know. It says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So we don't belong on this earth. Like, it's not going to be fun. People are going to hate you. People are going to be rude to you. It's going to be grueling and hard and excruciating and uncomfortable. But we are called to be here. We are here for a reason, and we're called to be that light that's here to show people that it can be less excruciating, less grueling. So, like, the importance of knowing, like, to who you belong is at the end of the day, like, that's where you're going. That's where you'll run. It'll disappoint you. And you'll just keep chasing after it and keep chasing. And all of a sudden, you're like, 
10 miles deep in it, and you're like, how do I get back up there? And you don't know what to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> Brett's laughing at me. Uh, and like, you don't know how to get out. But the only way like, to get out of that is to give it up. Like, let God come alongside you. Let him be that, like, the olive tree, the branch that you cling to. Let him, like, show you where you belong. Because if you do, like, I promise, life is going to get a lot, like, well, it won't always be easy. I won't say it's going to get a lot easier, because don't take my word for that. But it will in some, like, you'll know how to navigate issues, and he'll help you, and he'll come alongside you in that. And, like... Just know that if you don't know, he's where you belong. And he wants you, and he loves you. And no matter what you do, he'll always be there for you. There will never be a time. Like, God doesn't go to sleep. If it's four in the morning and you're like, I need help, God's awake. Your friends might be asleep. God's awake. So just know that's where you belong. And let him be where your heart lies. Is this back on still? There we go. Thank you, Sam. It's really good. I lost you for a second. Now I realize you're back there. But, <clears throat> yeah. Oh, that's my wife, by the way. Like I said, my name is Wilson, but my wife, Whitney, who's obviously the better half that I cannot do this or life without, is probably the best part of youth ministry for me. And I'm going to embarrass her, but I don't care. One of the biggest joys, you know, when Jordan and others come to me and say, what's the thing that, like, just gives you life? What's the thing that, like, just gets you excited? And obviously, there's so many different facets of youth group and missions and what we do that, like, excites me. But if I can be transparent, one of the biggest joys I have is watching my wife walk in this. Because when I didn't have peace about this at first, when Jordan walked into our house and was like, hey, do you mind if I wreck your life and offer you a job as a youth pastor? I'm like, I, I don't know. My wife's like, you need to do this. But watching the Lord work in her, watching the Lord fill her with his peace and watching her grow in all of these things and the way that she now ministers to kids, like it is like I can't even describe the joy that it brings to me as a husband and someone in ministry. And so wanted to kind of walk you guys through a few different things because last Youth Sunday, I wasn't able to be here. I was stuck in an airport in Charlotte for about 48 hours. And I would have much rather have been here because everyone else that was stuck in there for 48 hours was not happy about it at all. And so I'm standing in a line waiting to like figure out my ticket with everyone and like I'm listening to the online version on my phone. I got my headphones plugged in as much as possible because the people in front of me are swearing and cussing, all this stuff. And the people behind me are doing the same. And I'm standing in line crying, listening to Quinn preach and Sawyer and all the testimonies that are going on, listening to the worship and just like, man, I don't want to be anywhere else but there. And I'm stuck here. And so I just, I love these kids. I love the ministry and what I get to do. And so I wanted to do just that, talk about it a little bit today. And so I wanted to share with you guys just for a moment kind of where we've been, where we are, and where we're going as far as a youth group. And then we'll recap with a couple of different announcements at the end that are more pressing for today. So where we have been, first Youth Sunday that we did, we really talked about youth camp, 
right? And we raised money for scholarships. You guys as a body responded tremendously. And that can't, I can't even say that was the goal going into it, is we really need to generate or anything like that. We need to use Youth Sunday. It was just what was on our heart, and like the Lord moved, and he responded. And can I just say really quick thank you uh, to all of you that helped in any way, as simple as a prayer towards youth camp, like you gave part of you to youth camp, and salvations, I hope, and all sorts of different things came from it. And if I can talk about it for just a moment, I know they mentioned it during Youth Sunday, but about 3.30 on Friday, we were supposed to leave for youth camp on Saturday at about noon, just to give you a reference point. At 3.30 on Friday, the camp director calls, and he goes, hey, I hope you're sitting down, but we have no power, so you can't come to youth camp. And I don't know when it will come back on. And we had prayed specifically whether we should do a three-day or a five-day because everywhere that I had talked to was offering me three-day camps, weekend camps, little things here and there. And we just really knew in the end, like, no, we're supposed to do like a five-day camp. This is youth camp. We're going to do five days. And we had a worship and prayer night, which, by the way, we're going to do again tonight, pray over different ministries and things. I had no ground or traction or anything for youth camps until we had a worship and prayer night and prayed for it. And the next, like two days later, I had three camps reach out, a fourth, like that I, or respond, a fourth reach out that I hadn't even touched base with, and we ended up going with a fifth. And so the Lord and just responded to prayer. And so it was a blessing, by the way, so be there tonight to be a part of that prayer and worship. But so youth camp, now it looks like on that Friday in the late afternoon, like it's not going to happen. But the Lord just provided peace. He left us with his peace. It's what Jesus promised, right, is that he would leave us with his peace. And so without the team that we have and without you guys as parents and as so many of you were volunteers, like we could not have made it happen. The Lord made it happen ultimately. And so to those of you who helped, thank you, really. But we hosted youth camp here. We're in multifaceted campus, and we proved it because we hosted a youth camp in like 12 hours notice for a couple of days. 120 people show up, and it's like, well, we need the food, you know, provide food, shelter, keep doing worship, word, all of it. And the Lord provided. And Sunday afternoon, we made our way back to the youth camp. They got power back and all these things. And the director there, they come from a very different denomination than us very might be a strong word, but they come from a different denomination than us. And so there was already some different questions and some things of like what might be receptive, you know, where they might be receptive to certain things and what's kind of their expectations. And so when he called and said, we have power, but I, I, if you don't come, I don't like blame you. And I said, well, youth camp's happening. Like we're, we're having it right now still. And so we're on our way. And if I can just testify, there was nothing I could say that I could throw into like, oh yeah, I planned a youth camp. There's nothing I can take credit for and I don't want to. Uh, Because when we left, there was a storm. So packing up 120 people into vans and these things, we ran the first corner down tree and power lines. So we go back by the church and I'm like, maybe we were supposed to stay. We go to the next spot, road closed. We turn around, go back past the church. Maybe we're supposed to stay here. Third spot, cars flipped over like on its side in the middle of the road. Maybe we're supposed to stay at the church and not go to youth camp. And would you believe it, 
As I'm dealing with all of these things and praying, that's not a single word that came out of the back of that van with full of youth. It was things like, man, if the enemy is trying to do this, can you imagine what's waiting for us at youth camp and what God wants to do? Out of the mouth of babes, right? Just like total belief in what God wants to do at a thing like youth camp. And so, so we arrive, and the director of the camp is just blown away that we even show up. But we get there, and we start having youth camp. We pick up where we left off and go right into worship, go into all these things. We provided our own meal that night because they didn't have any food. They had nothing. And so youth camp is happening, and by the end of it, this guy, the director, has thanked me like four or five times already. Like, you cannot imagine, like, how refreshing your group is. It's amazing. Like, your kids are incredible. And they say thank thank you, they're respectful, and I'm like, I feel bad because we keep breaking things, but like, he just could not stop raving about how great all these kids are, and so for you as parents and you as grandparents, like, no, your kids represented you so well, they really did at this youth camp, when every kid should be whining and complaining that they've been moved around and tossed and all this, and I know it wasn't easy, they were a light. To another believer, they were a light, and so by the end, Wednesday hits, and he comes to me, and he goes, hey, you guys have been through a lot. You know, do you still need the pool for baptisms? And I'm like, yeah, we've got, I know I've got like four or five senior high guys that want to get baptized, but there's a lot, there's more. I just don't know who all. And he goes, okay, well, we'll keep that open. You guys got some work done this week. And I'm like, okay. I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but as I'm saying that, a girl, you know, high school girl comes up, and she goes, hey, I know I'm supposed to get baptized. Can I get baptized today? And it's like, absolutely. And so he responds with, hey, can I just come watch? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> what's this going to be like, you know? And so we go out, and he stands on the outside of the, there's a, the pool, a gate. And if I remember right, like even barbed wire or something, like there was something on top, like do not use this pool uh, and so he's standing on the outside, shades on, hat on. He drove up, and he just stands there watching. And I'm like, we're not coming back here next year. There's not a chance. <laughs> because, like, we're, you know, we, I've already worked through with the kids that are, like, you know, talked to them about things, talked to them, parents even, made sure that parents feel respected as much as possible. And, and then we just kind of opened it up, like, hey, if the Lord is moving and you, you feel convicted and now's the time to get baptized, like, here's what it means, would you do it? And kids start getting in. And we have serious, real conversations in the moment, but, we're like, we're baptizing kids. And um, before long, I see him get on the phone and walk away. And, again, I'm like, we're not coming back next year. And we finish, and we're packed up. The director comes up and he goes, hey, again, I just want to thank you so much for what your group is and how refreshing they are. Like, th this was incredible. We have to have you back here next year. He goes, I got on the phone with the director of this and this. I can't even remember what all it was. And he goes, I just had to tell them, like, you won't believe what I'm seeing. And if I can just speak to it, I know that there's a lot of and I've alluded to it in the past with Youth Sundays, there's a lot of hopelessness that you... It's easy to believe with today's youth of, you know, they're, and they all hear it too. They're the dumbest generation. They have the shortest attention span. They're the most spoiled. They're the most lazy. They're all these different things. 
but your kids are incredible. And the Lord is doing it. The Lord is the one who they belong to, and the Lord is doing a work in your kids. And just having his testimony on the other side of youth camp just spoke volumes to, it's not just my bias of like, man, these kids are just great, and I just love them, you know, because everyone thinks their kids are the best. But like to have him really speak into like the uniqueness of what youth group looks like here is incredible. A little bit based on currently, where, what are we doing right now? What does it look like for youth group? And so our heart behind youth group is to partner alongside parents, but also prepare them for the next steps in life, prepare them to go into whatever it is, to have their own relationship with the Lord. And so when we talk about, I get asked a lot, what's your program? What do you do? What do you work through? Your program must be weird because my kid, this, that, and the other, just different things. And it's like, we go through the word. And so junior high right now is going through the book of Romans. Like on a week-by-week basis, kids 6th through 8th grade are being taken slowly and purposefully, intentionally by Caleb through the book of Romans. Like how cool is that? How many kids, by the time they finish 8th grade, can be like, I was taught faithfully week-by-week the book of Romans. That's incredible. And so they're wrapping up, or they're working through the book of Romans right now. We have just this past week finished the book of John. I started that in September of last year, and so to kind of commemorate it, we made stickers for the kids of just that, hey, you made it through the gospel of John, just as a bookmark, if you will, of like, hey, this is where we've been able to go. And we've listened to the whole book of John, right, and gone through it. Something that really excites me is just wanting to see their passion for the word and for prayer continue to grow. And so part of what that looks like is leaving them without excuse for the need for God's word in their life. And so we're going to do, coming up, it's something called a speed run. If you know video games, it means the concept is you go through a video game as fast as possible. It's not to get the most out of the game to accomplish every little thing inside of the game. It's how can I get to point A to point B as fast as possible. And so what we're going to do, if you will, is fly at a different altitude over the book of 1 Corinthians and in one Wednesday go through the whole book. And so, but not just sit up there and read the whole thing, but to talk about what was the culture like? Where's the comparisons between that culture and ours? How does this book apply to us? And would Paul, if Paul wrote a letter to our church would it look like this one? And how did he deal with issues? How did he walk the church through those issues? And those who in this room who know the book, who know those things are like, yes, absolutely, like we need that. And so leaving the kids by the end of it without an excuse of like how important God's word is for their life. And so it's an incredible thing. As far as where we're at, worship is probably my favorite part of the week. And I have nothing to do with it. Because if I did, it would be everyone's least favorite part of the week. I have no rhythm, no voice, no talent, no nothing. And so just walking in and hearing youth sing, it's incredible. By the way, the doors are always open. I know it's there's pace and those things. But if you ever want to be blessed, 705 basically is when we start worship. Just walk by South Campus. Walk by the fireside and just listen to him. I'm going to cry if I, and I got to do this again. I cried in first service, I said, I'm not going to cry second. But there, there's no greater thing to me being a youth pastor than hearing their hearts lifted up in prayer 
and in worship. And we joined in with you guys as a church again because we want to step, walk in step with you guys. When you did the prayer and worship night over here, we did the same. And we've had to move to no chairs in the room because there's... I walked around one Wednesday and like kids were like leaning like this up against the piano because there wasn't room to like just stand like a normal person. Like you had to like squeeze in. And when we said just find a seat for worship or for prayer because after worship we were just getting a group, they all just sat straight down and I was like, I'm going to go hop in a group. And I couldn't fit on the floor with them. And by the end of it, you know, we had some people that were like, ah, that wasn't for me. I didn't like it. It's like, okay, well, that's fine. But the amount of kids that come to me and go, that was the greatest thing ever. That was amazing. And again, it's nothing we as leaders can take credit for. It's just their reliance on the Lord and them experiencing the Lord and their faith being their own. And that, we can't ask for a greater joy than that as youth leaders. And I know that's your heart as well as parents, grandparents, aunts, and uncles, is that your kids, their faith would be their own. And that's happening. It really is. In a time when the enemy in this world would tell you there's no hope for them, God's not done with them. And if I can hearken back to that idea of youth camp, right, and everything that God is doing and kids getting baptized and all that's happening is that scene, if you guys have seen Jesus' Revolution, where Chuck and Greg are sitting on the edges and Greg said, you know, hey, do you think that this is the beginning or the end of something? And Chuck, trying not to cry, and Chuck says, I think this is just the beginning. I, I can't help but feel the same. Watching God work in a fresh way with these youth and what he's doing, it's incredible. It really is. And so part of prepping that next generation is we obviously have this school, right? We have a lot of like things happening here in the school. It's ministry of the church, and you guys have heard all about it, and it's growth and all the things going on here. But T.J. Balnado, who's one of our youth leaders, has stepped into a role as junior high Bible teacher. And so he now stands like his job is to teach them the word. And the groundwork was already there by being a youth leader. Emily Cavanaugh, who we, there's no way we could have done youth camp without. So wherever you are, thank you. Emily is one of the heads of school here. And like just the heart that she has for discipleship and loving these kids is incredible. And now that's her job. That's what she gets to do. It's awesome. Caleb teaches a class for junior high. I get to teach a class for seniors called Life Calling, where we talk about God's vision for your life. And I know we've talked about how this campus is multifaceted. We talk about all these different things. But sitting upstairs in first service, it was really unique, just the perspective for me, if I can have a moment of transparency of, like, I sat there in chapel, walking through all of this, knowing that at 9.30, just 15 minutes after we were done, Sunday sessions were going to take place. Knowing that tonight prayer and worship takes place there. Knowing that on Tuesday I've got a class where there's an exchange student who doesn't believe in the Lord at all that sits in you know, that chair every single week. And it's like God is doing things, and he's paving roads into places we can't go. Is also paving roads using your kids, using your grandkids. I, there are classrooms I'll never be able to go into at Mount Vernon and LN and homeschool groups, homes that your kids are in. And so there's a war being waged there that if you could, please just come alongside us in prayer. That would be amazing for them, and we'll touch on that in just a moment. But youth group is growing. 
this past week we had about 120 in total and we are going to have to make adjustments moving forward of like what do we do with all these kids and how do we love and serve them well and it's incredible but the Lord is doing such great things there with just fruit and your kids are the ones that are bringing them in it's incredible and so where do we go from here how can you partner up with youth pray Pray for salvation. Pray for evangelism to continue to take place because your kids are in places, again, I don't get to go. I, I'm not in. That Caleb's not in. That my wife's not in. That you guys don't get to be a part of. And so they're, you know, they may be fed and filled and all these things at youth group, but then they go right back into those places that are dark and that are hard. And so pray for them. Pray that the teaching of our word would be solid, that we would not stray away from teaching God's word faithfully no matter what. Pray that our worship would be spirit-led and filled, that it would continue to just be sweet. How amazing is it? Just, if I can brag on them for a second, like look at like what happens this morning where Corbin and Jordan are up there doing worship together. Like how sweet is that? We have a church where like that's happening. It's not a program. It's not a production. It's not this let's make it big and inviting to the rest of the world. It's simply let's just sit on a box with a guitar and sing and praise to the Lord. And he loves that. Pray that disciples would continue to be made. You know, I started a Bible study last year about this time with some guys who were seniors that I knew I had like one year with. And some other guys who I knew had potential for some different leadership, guys I had really just prayed over and felt like, man, these are, these are some of the guys that like, I need to pray and invest into in a short term. Like, what do we do? And each of them have gone on and are starting their own Bible studies and discipleship where they're being given positions within ministry. One in particular, he was asked by a soccer coach, hey, would you be kind of the spiritual leader of our team? And so he came and he got discipleship material from me. He's like, I'm going to take all my guys through this. But you better believe the warfare and the weight that comes with that. The enemy does not want that to happen. And so pray for them. As they are stepping into these things, it's not, you know, just based on feeling. Like Sam said, you know, if your root is my identity in leading and doing these different things, it, it's hard. And so pray for them. Pray that youth would have a heart for praying and for his word. Pray for youth camp as it's coming up because it's one of those things where everything that we do gets condensed down into one week. And it's also a time when kids who would never come to youth group might come to a thing like a youth camp. And so it's a great opportunity for us to disciple, for us to minister, and us to lead others well. And then lastly, our big prayer through the week of prayer and fasting would be something like a youth building. And I have no vision, I have no budget, I have no idea of what that would look like. I don't know if it means reutilizing a space we already have. I have no idea what that looks like. All I know is that like, I, I just want to be a faithful steward to your kids. I want there to be green grass and still waters. And when you get to the point when, in worship where you got kids needing to walk out from anxiety attacks or different things like that because it's just so packed, it's like, we got to love them well. And so we're making short-term adjustments on things and just trying to do what we can. And the Lord continues to bring an increase, but just pray. If it's not what we're supposed to do, we don't want to try to make it happen on our own. It needs to be the Lord and what he does. And so just come alongside us in praying of wisdom for us of how to steward well. 
whatever comes in is a blessing of the Lord, and we just want to do that. And so please just come alongside us in prayer. There's so much more. And I told Jordan before, you know, the first service, I was like, if I just started talking and didn't like stick to my notes, I'd start at first service and end at third. And so I know I've flown through a lot right now, but there's so much going on that God is doing, and it's incredible. It really is. And so thank you guys for being amazing parents, for being prayer warriors, for being great aunts and uncles, good influences on kids that as you pass through the hall, they see you be faithful in your serving areas. And now that they're stepping into greetings, stepping into bulletins, stepping into those things, you better believe next week they look at who filled those spots. They know what it takes now to walk in those things. And so they watch you and they see your faithfulness. And so thank you for setting those great examples that they know what it looks like to serve and they're willing and able to step in and serve. It's not hard to recruit kids to serve on a youth Sunday. It's really not. I just mentioned it a few times, and then what do you know? The sign-up sheet's full, and we're ready to go, and they're like, I'm going to get my friends, and I'm going to make them do it. It's just awesome. And so thank you guys so much for giving me the chance and the ability to do this. God is so good, and he is not done yet. He's not done. Just because you may not see, and I don't get to see all the fruit of youth ministry. I really don't. But he's not done He's not done at all. And so please just come alongside us in prayer and those things. I just wanted to give you guys that quick update on what's going on with youth group, kind of where we've been, what we're doing right now, and where we're going. And so thank you guys. I've got a couple more announcements, but if you don't mind, I'd just like to pray, and then we'll close up. We'll wrap up a little early today. So hang out in the fellowship hall. Find a youth. Come talk to me or Caleb. Let us talk more to you about what's going on with youth group, and then we'll be getting out of here. I think they may have one more song. Do you guys have one more? You do? Okay. Well, I'll pray. Let them come do their song, and then we got a couple announcements to wrap up today. So dear God, thank you so much. For the simplicity of your word, for the simplicity of our faith, and that it is Jesus and Jesus alone. That it's as simple as a child, Moana can understand, but it extends to all of us at every season of life. And so, God, would you please just ignite our hearts, help us to understand the weight of the moment and the weight of what we're walking through right now. Lord, we love you and we need you so much. And so, God, would you please just bless us as we go, Lord? Would you fill us with your spirit to overflowing? In Jesus' name, amen.